0: All right, thank you, team, for leading us this morning and worshiping together, gathering together to worship. I'm Reg Taves, the Transitional Lead Pastor here at Forest Grove Community Church, and it is my joy to be with you this morning. We have had some good conversations Thursday night, Saturday morning, just some good time together. I loved watching people engage around tables, and at the end of yesterday, just gathering around leaders, leaders of your church, and praying for them and encouraging them yesterday. And so that was just a powerful time that we had together. So thank you for engaging with that. We continue with our series in the book of Acts. And if you have a Bible or your, your app on your phone or however you want to get there, Acts chapter 11, we're going to be looking at 19 to 30. So if you just want to sort of have that there, we're going to read it in a few minutes. I want you to think about somebody in your life who influenced you. And I'm hoping that's positive, but I, sometimes It's not. Uh, but somebody in your life who influenced you. Can you think of somebody that brought you, sort of did some things, or was part of your life that you're going like, yes, they actually made an impact on my life? Because that's what we want to talk about today. I had somebody in my life as a teenager, and, and that's really, a really important time of life. Uh, and I had somebody who was my youth pastor who just invested in me. I, could spend, I spent time with him. Uh, I think one of the most powerful things for me was he called out my really bad behavior from time to, you know, if you think, did, Pastor Reg, you never had bad behavior. Oh yeah, I did. Don't, don't get me started on the crazy things. I am so glad Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and that was not a thing. I would probably not be able to be a pastor based on my life in the past, but I'm so grateful that God transforms our lives and changes us and hopefully we can wipe out our history. Uh, And I mean on social media, because we need to do that, because there's this mercy that we've been singing about. But um, this pastor, Mark Morris, was our youth pastor. He invested time in me. I remember there were times where, like I said, he called me out. But there were also times where he was just there for me, where I could talk to him about all kinds of things, about my future, about what I was thinking about. And he was just that person who was there and I hope you have somebody, when you think about somebody in your life, who is it that influenced you as you're thinking about that this morning? And then we're going to turn it on its head and I'm going to say, how are you influencing others as well? Because we, we have influence. It is amazing uh, with the kind of influence you can have. So parents, if you're a parent here this morning, you have influence over your kids. Now you may not think you do. You know, they may be at that age, you know, like 15 or whatever. Maybe it starts earlier. I don't know. But about 15 where they're like, I know everything, and you know nothing. And I want you to know, you still have influence. Yeah, I see, I see families nudging and nodding and poking each other. It's like, yes, this is us. This is where we are. Uh, but we have influence. So God, what I, what I want to start with is God uses ordinary people to do the Extraordinary. God uses ordinary people to do the extraordinary. And in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30, we're going to see a number of people are going to be mentioned here. And I'm just going to pull some thoughts out that are going to relate to how do we how do these people influence, and then how does that relate to us today? So let's read the text together. Acts chapter 19. I mean, start Acts 11, verses 19 to 30. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did. Sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Pray with me. Lord, as we've read this text, it is your word. And as we uh, investigate it and study it this morning, I pray that you would give us the word that you have for each person in this room. What is it that you want to say to us? Lord, I pray our hearts and our heads and our minds would be open to receive the word that you have for us today. For we pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen. So let's begin at the beginning of this text. There's this persecution that's breaking out. There's persecution and opposition, and it hits the early church. And how do they respond? They don't respond by running away or hiding. They respond with a sense of purpose and direction. Do they leave? Yes. But this persecution and separation actually led to the good news being spread widely. In verses 19 to 21. It points us back to Acts chapter 8, the part of the story, earlier part of the story, where it talks about Stephen. And in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. So we see here that they are being scattered and spread, so that was back in chapter 8, a number of things have been going on in chapter 11, now we see this Ongoing story of the church being spread all over the place, and them saying, "What do we do with this?" And uh, and notice, there's an attitude that they have that we need to sort of listen to. It's an attitude toward difficulty, an attitude toward stressful times. And what I noticed here in this text, it doesn't say they, like I said, they didn't go hide. They stayed together. They continue to serve. They continue to witness. So what was this attitude? Where would this have come from? I'd suggest to you this morning that it comes from knowing that God is with us and God is for us. It doesn't come because we just have a good attitude. What makes a good attitude is knowing who is in control, who is in charge. I love the the prayer that says, Lord, give me the strength to... Yeah, the serenity prayer, give me the strength to change the things that I can, but also to realize the things I can't. And to know that I stop and I listen to God in those moments and say, God, I can't change this. This is a difficulty. I'm in the middle of it. What do I do with it? And I sit and I wait. It doesn't mean that our, our circumstances change, but our attitude changes toward our circumstances. So, even though our circumstances can be hard, hope comes through this relationship. I believe it through a relationship with Jesus, knowing He is the one in charge. The early church faced imprisonment and death, and yet their lives had been radically changed, and they couldn't stop talking about it. They just couldn't quit. In verse 20, we see the presence of God. Where's the presence of God in our pain? So, you know, don't hear, you know, they just ignored it. No, they lived in this moment. This was hard. They didn't know if tomorrow they're going to be arrested and thrown in jail and flogged and, and potentially murdered. But they continued to share the good news. So there was the presence of God in their pain. People from outside of Jerusalem had this personal encounter with the power of God And they came to share this good news. Antioch is an an amazing city in that it was the largest metropolitan city, the third largest city in the Roman world of that day. And there would have been many different ideas and many different thoughts that were going around and there would have been many risks for them to say, we have a new religion, a new way of doing things. Because there were sanctioned religions that were allowed by the government. They would not have been one of them. So understand the risks there and, and the pain that they were going through. They may have had friends and relatives who were, had been put to death, that were, had, had to leave everything, their businesses, their homes. They were out. They were refugees. They were orphans. We may ask ourselves that same question. Where is God when we're struggling? Where is God in this moment? One of the things I found helpful is recognizing that God is present. God is here. In the midst of whatever you're going through, God is present. Consider that Jesus is sitting somewhere in the room with you in the midst of your pain and struggle. I invite you as you're there to ask him to show himself. Just to simply say, Lord, where are you? Are you here? I need to see you. I need to hear from you. I need to know that you are present In this moment, Jesus is waiting for us to invite him into our situations. He's already there. He's just waiting for us to invite him. And as I watch this and I read this text, I'm just so moved by by reading these people who are in this incredibly difficult situation, and yet they're still spreading the good news of the gospel because it's real and active and powerful. In verse 21, we see the power of God in their witness. Notice that they spoke from their own personal experience. Jesus, God's son, came into this world because of God's love for us, his creation. He wanted us to be free from the curse of sin, what we sang about already, that created a separation from God. He did this through his death on the cross, paying for our sin, rising again to life so that we can be free. From the power of sin. doesn't mean that sin doesn't dabble in our lives. It doesn't mean that it isn't out there. It's, it doesn't mean that temptation doesn't take place. It does, but we can be free from the power of sin. When someone has experienced this, the reality of this, it is a powerful message of God breaking into our world and changing us one life at a time. When it came to the person who's influencing others with the gospel or good news, that message, the church of Jerusalem sends Barnabas. Barnabas is known as the encourager. Isn't that what a a church would need? Somebody who would come and say, let's find out what's going on and let's encourage, let's build up what we can. And so we see Barnabas coming to do that. So in verses 22 to 24, we see that there's the support for what God is doing is found in a person. A person comes along. It's about personal relationships. You know that. You know that as you walk together, it's like we encourage each other. There's times where it's iron sharpening iron. Sparks fly. But we still are living in relationship. There's times where we actually need each other and we grieve together. There's times where you rejoice together. All of those things are so important, and God sends, the church sends through uh, sends Barnabas to this fledgling group and says, figure out what's going on. Notice what it says about what's taking place in verse 22. It says, God's grace was seen. Barnabas went, and the first thing he saw was God's grace, his free, unearned favor. How would he have seen that? I think he saw people who had been in bondage to whatever addictions, they were free. God's grace, his mercy, God's love was being poured out. It was powerful. The changed lives of people as they heard the good news in Antioch. And Barnabas sees it, and he sees it as God's grace, these changed lives, the testimonies of what God has done. This past Thursday, and in, the, in our seniors ministry, we, Brenda and I were there, and, and we just heard stories of people being released from addictions. And addictions are so powerful in our world today. There's so many of them. Like we might, you know, we, we look at the easy, I'm going to say the easy ones and that easier to spot. Drug addiction, alcohol addiction. But what about pornography? What about even just being addicted to f- different foods? different behaviors. There's all kinds of addictions. And God says, I want to make you free. And God's grace does that. And when that takes place, as people shared their stories on Thursday, you could just see in the room, I talked to some people, to some of our seniors later, and it was like, that was just such a moving time. They were encouraged to continue to, to share those stories elsewhere. So Barnabas is this encourager, and he gives them a word to encourage them in the journey. And Look at what the word is. It's found in verse 23. Barnabas gives them this word to say, keep going in your grace. And it isn't that the problems go away, but he says this. In God's grace, he encouraged them to remain focused in following Jesus. Remain true to the Lord with all your heart. The end is determined, is what what he's saying, is when you're in the midst of getting out of this and you're moving into a new place, as you move, continue to focus on the one who can change your life. That's Jesus. The one, the Lord. Remain true to the Lord with all your heart. The end is known. God has won the battle. Actually, he's won the war. The battle is ongoing. We still need to keep living in this world and there's so many temptations that draw us and we need to keep saying, I want to remain focused and true to the Lord with all my heart. And that's a daily, minute-by-minute battle that we just need to keep saying yes to. There's so much in our world that's distracting and pulling us away from God. We have an adversary who keeps saying to us, did God really say? Asking that, did God really say? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I want to encourage us to be true to the work of Jesus and our relationship with him. To continue to look to him, to guide us, to lead us. If, if you and I want a relationship, we need to give it time. Uh, there's no relationship that grows or develops without time. And so we need to give God some of our time. Be with God in the word. Be with God talking to him. Be with God listening to his voice. Barnabas was that man who was influencing. Notice how he is described in verse 24. In verse twenty, 24 it says three things. It says he was good and he was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. This is the person of influence. He's being described by Luke, the writer of Acts, as good. It's actually the only time in the whole book of Acts where Luke describes somebody as good. Barnabas was that person who he looked at and went, this is a good person. Now, I don't know how else you would describe it, but these other words we're going to dive into because they're really important. It says he was full of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That he was actually filled up by the Spirit to act and to live through the direction of the Holy Spirit. It would have given him the right words to say at the right time. He was just in tune with the Holy Spirit, listening to what is it that God is saying to me. He was a man filled with faith. What does that mean? Well, it means that he had a confidence. It's a confidence. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is having hope and an assurance for, that which, for which we don't know. We don't see the future. That's the faith part. But the hopefulness and the assurance is what gives us the foundation for faith, where we wait and we believe. Barnabas believed that God was drawing people and would continue to to bring people to new life through the testimony that was given about Jesus Christ. Hope and assurance was not in front of them, but as they put their faith in Christ, they gained hope and assurance. In this series of messages in the book of Acts, we've been focusing on the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Luke is saying that Barnabas, a man of influence, was full of the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle, so the word, they call him Saul. In a, in a bit, as we get further on into Acts, he changes his name. And so you might get confused. So is it Saul? Is it Paul? It's Saul now, but it'll be Paul later. But Paul writes a letter to the Galatians later on. The Apostle Paul writes a letter. And in his letter to the Galatian church, he helps us to see what does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? You may wonder, like, what is that? Like, how can I know? How does that take place? Let me, let me help you out with this. So you can turn to Galatians. I'm just going to go through this. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to pick up just, I think, four things out of Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 16. Paul says, walk by the Spirit. So when you're going to be full of the Holy Spirit, it first of all starts with walking. What are you doing in your daily life? To see that God is walking with you, that you walk in step with him. Do you, ever, you know, do you ever walk beside somebody? Do you sort of match step as you walk? I don't know if you've noticed. Brenda walks with a cane. Have you noticed that? Now, you may wonder, what's with the cane? I won't get into all of it. But one of the reasons she walks with the cane is to keep herself more steady. So if she doesn't have her cane, she... And this is her words, so just hear me. She walks like a drunk. All right? Like she, she weaves all over the place. So when we're walking together... And I take her hand, you know, you might say that is the really loving thing to do. It's actually, no, it's to keep us from not falling over. Okay? So that's why we're holding hands. I know it's lovey and all that, it's, it's sweet. Uh, but when we, we walk together and we have to stay close to each other, so when she veers left, I either pull her back a little bit or I go with her. Now, when we're shopping, it's a whole other experience. Because that way, I, she goes in front of me and, and she's like, why don't you walk beside me? I said, because I don't know if you're going here or here or here or here. What are you looking? Like, it's called shopping. It's not called, I go to go buying. Okay, that's a guy. Th- I go buying. I, know, I mean that, 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 let's get out of here. And she goes shopping. She wants to look at things. So we're walking together though. We're walking. When you walk by the Spirit, you're following. You're, you're just going to do this. You're going to stay side by side and stay connected. The second thing, and look at Galatians 5.18. It says, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. We're filled with the Holy Spirit when we allow him to lead us. Barnabas was a man who allowed the Holy Spirit to lead him. The illustration I would would give would be when, when when our kids were little, we lived in what was called a manse, which was next to our church, but it was across the church parking lot. And it was here in Saskatchewan, and guess what? It snows here. And when it would snow, we couldn't, you know, we didn't, we probably had our hands full of other stuff. But our kids would walk, and it's like, how are they going to make it through the snow? It wasn't really deep, but it was deep enough, and they were like one and two years old. So you know what that's like. You don't want them to fall face first in the snow. So what we would say is, follow me. And I would walk across the church parking lot, and instead of taking my dad's steps, I would take shuffle steps and I would create a path for them to walk in. And it's the same thing. The Holy Spirit creates a path for us to walk in. And we just need to be said, I'm going to follow where the steps are. Because we're just like little two-year-old kids. And if we get out over here, what's going to happen? You know, we're going to get up in the deep snow and we're going to fall flat on our face. And sometimes that's actually what happens to us. It happens occasionally to me. Fall flat on my face. And then what does the Holy Spirit say? Get up and... Follow me, again. Follow me. So it's not like we're perfect. We're just making our way through it. The Holy Spirit is walking, taking us in a direction. We're following. That's what Barnabas was doing in this text. Thirdly, Barnabas was living out of the fruit of the Spirit. The results of the Spirit living in him was fruit. So again, Galatians 5, and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. I mean, we can go through these real fast, but this is something you need to go, which one of these? So as I read them, just think, which one of these do I need to allow, say to God, I need to do this. I need to follow the Holy Spirit here. So here's the, here's the list. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which I like the word patience, because we understand that word better, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What do you want the Holy Spirit to give you more of? Maybe you're saying, well, I'm really good at, I'm really good at being Faithful, but I'm really lousy at self-control. Whatever it is, can you just say, Holy Spirit, help me with this today? Barnabas was living out the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's how he they could say he was full of the Holy Spirit because he was living out the fruit. And the last one is Barnabas lived by the Spirit. Galatians five twenty five says, "Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit." So this, this there's these four concepts. Of What does it mean to how do we live and be full of the Holy Spirit? Again, Paul uses the language of steps to keep up with, to pay attention to the Spirit of God, to see opportunities to be the witness in our world today. Let's continue on in the book of Acts 11, verse 25 and 26. Barnabas goes and he begins to look for help. He realizes he can't do it alone. Very smart man, right? Often we just keep trying to do things by ourselves. God says, bring people with you. A person of influence actually brings other people with them; they don't go do it alone. You could say, "But it's easier to do it alone." Yes, but you won't change somebody else's life, and you won't have the same impact unless you invite somebody to join you and go along. Then Barnabas does exactly that; he goes out and he he there's, he, he uh, goes out and invites someone, Saul, to walk with him. So people invite people to walk and serve God. We invite each other. know, it's interesting here as a church, whenever we're looking for people to, you know, there's places to serve and things for us to do, and we'll put it up on the screen, and people will come to me later, and this happens in every church, but will come to me later and say, nobody came and signed up. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. What do you think the announcements were? Well, they should all just come and sign up. And I'm like, no. The announcement is to say, we have a need. Now your task is to shoulder tap. Would you consider? Would you consider? Would you consider? So if you have people who shoulder tap you and say, would you consider? Would you actually consider? Prayerfully? I mean, there are people who see the you know, needs on the screen and jump right in. And we love that. Thank you if that's you. Like, bless you. We love it. But there's also some of you who are going like, I don't know. And you need somebody to tap you on the shoulder. So people ask people. People influence people to serve and walk with God. So Barnabas goes and he goes and he picks up Saul who later becomes Paul and he is a teacher and becomes an evangelist. And as Barnabas brings him along like we'll get into their story a little bit more but you just need to know that this Saul who he brings alongside him as sort of like you know you're my underling I'm going to I'm going to teach you Saul eclipses Barnabas. So that's sort of a giveaway for the future. But he eclipses him he's like He does better. And it's not like it's a competition. They had the same goal in mind. But when we influence people, hopefully we're saying, I want to influence you, I want to be part of your life, and my prayer is that you actually do more than what I could ever do. That was my prayer for my kids, still is for my, my grown kids. Lord, help them to even do more than I could ever do. More than I could ever do. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship takes time and energy. These two men, they were there. They spent a full year teaching and living with this group. It wasn't just that they, you know, they didn't just have a a class and go for two hours. And then it was, no, they did life together. Just the way Jesus did life together. And that's what discipleship is, is doing life together. Everything we do in life teaches something. We can respond to situations. And how how we do in those situations is actually teaching something. As parents, we know this so well, right? We do something and our kids pick up, you know, if you you use particular language, and I'm not saying it's bad, but you use particular language, all of a sudden you're hearing that coming out of the mouth of your child. And you go, oh, yeah, I better pay attention to what I'm saying. So that's just one simple example. So this is the place, uh, as it says in this text, this is the place where they were first called Christians. It may have even, at that time, been a very derogatory term. Antioch was known as the place who just, you know, like, call people out. And so they called them Christians, and it could have been, you crazy Christians, you know, with that tone, and that's sort of stuck. We call ourselves Christians, actually. Uh, there's so many things have been done in the name of being Christian that I actually call myself a Jesus follower, because I, I believe that's what I am. I'm a follower of Jesus, which is a disciple, uh, and that's what I want to be known for. And so as language changes, I think we change with the language. This final section is, is talking about people of influence. So let's just quickly go through this. Agabus is a prophet. He's listening to God. He's, again, he would be described as somebody who was full of the Holy Spirit. He was listening to God. And this shows us that different people have different gifts. Not everybody is a Barnabas. Not everybody is a Saul. Paul. Paul. So we have different people. We have different gifts. But we need all of the gifts, and we need to use all of the gifts. So Agabus, I think, is part of this story for a very particular reason, in that he also had influence. And he speaks to it, and he uses his gifts in verse 28. He says, there's going to be a famine. God has told me there's going to be a famine. And it actually occurred. There were a number of uh, famines that occurred in the reign of Claudius, but there was one that particularly affected Jerusalem. And how did the church respond when they heard this from from Agabus, his influence led them to respond with generosity. They said, let's do something. Following the Holy Spirit means that they responded with this giving of gifts. They gave as God had given to them. And we should be known as followers of Jesus as the most generous people on the earth. And we are those who have our eyes and ears tuned to needs in our community and in our world and say, how can I meet those needs? Sometimes, you know, we may not have a lot of money, and that's okay. You don't have to send, you know, you might say, well, I only have 20 bucks. Why would I send 20 when somebody else can send 100? It's like, you know what? Your 20 bucks counts to you because you've done something and you've heard the nudging of the Holy Spirit to say, walk in this way. And maybe there's some who are like, I could give $1,000 or $10,000, and it's the same nudging. And I just love it that it just says they responded as each of them had the ability to respond. So there's these people of influence throughout. And finally in verse 30, these people of influence, Barnabas and Saul, are sent with the gift back to Jerusalem. God uses people to help people. People of influence want to see others grow and thrive and want to pour into their life. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this time. As we close, what now? Let me just give you some things to consider. Uh, God invites all of us to know him and then to serve him. We start by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. We start with being filled by the Holy Spirit. And out of that we serve. So this morning, as, we, as I think of this, it's like if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, if you're not even sure what I'm talking about, we would love to talk to you about what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus, because we experience that. We li- we're living it out, many of us who are in this room. And if you'd like to know about what that is, we would love to talk to you. So there'll be people here who'll be f- at the front uh, for prayer, who would love to pray with you. They can also explain to you what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. Secondly, who is influencing Jesus? Who has influenced you? And who are you influencing for good and for God? Just think about that. Parents with kids, it's easy for you. They're, they're They're right in your house. They're there. But there's people in your world. Who are you influencing for good and for God? We have that opportunity. And finally, I would just say this. Invite God to use you for his glory. To be open and willing and faithful in the smallest things. We don't need to start by doing great things for God. We just need to start by saying, God, I want to serve you. And if it's making coffee, if it's whatever, setting up chairs, sweeping, like it can be simple. God calls us to be faithful in the little things. And as we do that, we we become faithful and God gives us greater things to do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this word. Thank you that there are these people that we read about in the scriptures who knew you and understood you and walked with you. And Lord, they then influenced others to know you, to walk with you. And So Father, we pray that today is the day of salvation. Today is a day when we want to walk with you. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Guide us into all truth. Thank you that you have given us your grace and mercy, which gives us new life to serve you with all of our heart and soul and mind. For we pray this in your name and for your glory, Jesus. Amen.